You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 38 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, the physiotherapist from Australia, working to keep you up to date on all things injury in moto. Welcome to the Always Moto podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick because I'm told that's what I do all day, physio work. That's it, apparently. Anyway, as always on the show, all things, we'll be going through all things injury in moto, particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. Unfortunately, we ride a dirt bike on a racetrack. That's what happens sometimes. This week on the show, we'll be taking, oh, we'll be taking, we'll be talking all things uh, injuries and the events from round three of the Australian Supercross Championship and the upcoming fourth and final round of the Australian Supercross Championship this week that will happen at Wagga Wagga or just Wagga. We will have the emergency department list uh, from the Australian Supercross with plenty of additions, unfortunately, from the Newcastle round. We also have a very special Australian Supercross rider interview this week. We've been able to get Brett Metcalf to join us on on the phone uh, and talk about his collarbone injury and his plans for racing for 2023. Unfortunately, Brett got that collarbone injury back at the opening round of the Australian Supercross series at Melbourne. But bringing us the show today is Polar Australia. Polar Australia and their incredible range of activity tracking and heart rate monitors uh, are just simply the best. From their H10 chest strap and to their top-of-the-line GPS multi-sport watch, the Polar Grid X Pro, which I have right here on my wrist, um, you can't go wrong with a Polar. So, you know, look, guys, these Polar devices are fantastic at tracking everything that you do with your body whilst you're doing your activity, particularly our moto events. Make sure you get something from them. Uh, if you're not already using Polar, you should be. I am loving this Polar Grit X Pro that I've got right here. We will be doing an always moto inspection piece on it in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. We'll talk through how it works and what, what sort of data we can get from it. But it's been keeping track of everything. I love it. I kind of don't want to give it back to him, but it is only a test piece. So I will have to do that. And at some point we will. So don't worry, Polar guys, you will get it back. Don't worry. 
And also thanks to Slantboard Guy for supporting the show as well. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place with them. Slantboard Guy has offered all Always Moto podcast listeners a 10% discount on their purchases. So follow the link in the show notes um, and you will be able to then use the discount code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout um, to get that discount. So if you want to get your legs strong and your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike, then this is the simple equipment piece for you. And also, guys and girls, they've got a new piece of equipment out that we're just seeing from their promotions as well. You can actually hook on your resistance band to their new board. So please go and check that out as well. But like I said, check the link in the show notes and you can head straight there and use that discount code ALWAYSMOTO. As always, we still do need your direct support of the Always Moto podcast and you can do that in two ways. Buying a t-shirt um, and it's an Always Moto t-shirt, big black, nice and big logo on the front um, and they're $25 plus postage and handling and that's Australian dollars. We do have our international dropship um, set up for our US-based listeners so the postage options are much cheaper for you guys now which is fantastic. So please send us an email to alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com Put t-shirt order in the subject line and we'll get your size and the payment details through PayPal so we can get that to you ASAP so you can rock it at your next race. And also with that PayPal, you can also jump onto the Always Moto PayPal. Um, the link is in the show notes, show notes uh, and you can send us a donation to keep this show on the road. So show your support that way. That'd be fantastic. When you do send that uh, donation, please make sure you drop us a message or a question so that we can read it out live here on the show. All right, let's jump into the action from Newcastle. That was round three. We're at McDonald's Jones Stadium, which is a full-size football field. Um, for the American listeners, that's an NFL field. It's a decent-sized stadium, uh, and we were able to get a reasonable-sized track in. It wasn't massive. Um, it was only a 40-second lap time, and there was a lot of floor space that I felt that they could have actually used um, either to widen the lanes um, or even put in a whole another lane on the lengthwise and even both ends as well. There was plenty of room left over. I felt they could have put some more in. Now, that might have been for multiple reasons. They might have had constraints from the, from the stadium. They might have had lack of time to build it. Uh, they might have had just lack of dirt availability as well. But what they had worked out to be a good racetrack. It provided some good um, entertainment later that night with the triple crown format. It did also provide a lot of injuries, unfortunately. Now, the track seemed to be, from what I was told, be built a little bit later in than, than it would like to have been. They didn't have the time to get as much water into the track. And when we were on track walk on Saturday morning, they were there pumping the water into that track to try and get it to um, you know, not be dusty later in the evening. They even brought in a water truck at one point to try and get more water into it because they only had so many hose points across the stadium. So they did pump a lot of water in it. Unfortunately, that first SX1 or SX2 practice on Saturday afternoon, it was quite wet and slippery. And I felt sorry for those guys heading out there as the pioneers on that first track. And it was the it was the seated practice even. It wasn't even the unseated guys. So sucked for them, but uh, it, it is what it is. But the track did dry out. It did get pretty good by the end of qualifying. It wasn't fantastic, I would have thought, by the end of the night. I think it got a bit baked. There was plenty of wind. There was plenty of heat from the sun on that day, so it did dry out and sort of bake up. And even even later in the evening, they didn't put any more water into it. It was sort of what it was all day. They didn't do much track prep either. They, they did sort of have only one posi track out on track at one point. I joked about it on Twitter that they had one guy doing all the work. He only really did a couple of sections. I think there was one berm after the whoops. 
uh, and the the on off before the the trip, Supercross triple that he worked on. I didn't really see him do too much else, unfortunately. So the track did get pretty beat up. It did get a fair few ruts in it. Uh, I didn't walk it after the event this time, but uh, it, it looked from where we were sitting in the press box, there was plenty of ruts uh, and plenty of cupped out uh, faces of these jumps. So it wasn't wasn't pleasant for them to be uh, racing around on it, unfortunately. Big congratulations to Matt Moss on his first win uh, in over seven years, I believe it is. I think I saw that elsewhere that he's, it's the first win. Now, keep in mind, there was four years for him that he had a, um, you know, a, a ban in place. But to come back at his age, I think he's 36 now, to come back at his age and, and get back to the top of the sport, it's fantastic. And, I, and we're talking about this on the previous episode of the, like the full podcast for us here at Always Moto, that that win in Paris for the Prince of Paris that he got a couple of weeks ago, we're wondering if he'd have that momentum carry over into this series, and it, it clearly did. He came out firing in the in the in the qualifying. He was fastest. He won that first uh, Triple Crown event over Justin Brayton. He got second to him in the second one. Unfortunately, Aaron Tandy went down in that one. And then he was he was with Justin. He wasn't on him, but he was only a few seconds back of him in that third one. Unfortunately for Justin Brayton, he did have that bike malfunction, which handed Mossy the win. But he was in the event all night, and and I feel that that momentum was clear. And I think this is going to help him go into even the final round here, and be a be a definite contender with Justin for for that final race win of the season. He was a little bit struggling in the whoops, and he admitted that. But the rest of the track, he looked awesome. So it's good for him that, that he's back to his best almost, I would say. So awesome to see Mossy with that win and that, you know, he looked pretty happy and the burnout in the pits afterwards was fantastic. Mossy's a nice work. In the SX2 class, it was Max Anstey and he's pretty much always uh, almost unstoppable. He's only lost that last race of the Triple Crown. That's the first one for the season that he hasn't won and he was a very close second at that point. Um, he's been looking awesome. We spoke to Ma- Max after the race, and look, he's pretty comfortable. He's enjoying himself. Uh, quite happy to be taking those wins. And as he said um, on the podcast from those uh, race day interviews, if you haven't listened to those race day interviews, actually, make sure you check out our podcast feed. Uh, and if you haven't seen that there already, it's because you haven't subscribed to the feed. So make sure you do that too while you're there. But Max said on that inter- on those interviews that uh, he's trying to shake Eureve down for all these pennies. So it was quite funny to talk to Max. He's an awesome interview, but he's very comfortable and very happy with how things are going at the moment here in Australia on that Honda of his. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, put it all together and get that championship this week in Wagga. Justin Brayton is on track in the SX1 class um, to get the championship despite those bike issues in that final race there. He was able to limp at home. He probably would have had a bigger lead going into into Wagga if it wasn't for that bike malfunction, but he still has, I believe it's an eight-point lead over Matt Moss. Unfortunately, Aaron Tanty, who was the tied championship leader going into round three, had that big crash and knocked himself out uh, in the second Triple Crown event and has basically ended his championship hopes there. So unfortunately for Aaron Tanty, it won't be a dual Supercross motocross year for him. It'll just be the motocross championship at this stage for him. But uh, Brayton looks to be on track. He was a bit upset, you know, just de- dejected, I'd say, about the uh, the end outcome because he looked to be on track to take that overall win on in, in Newcastle. But that last lap there, um, the bike just wasn't going to let him do it. So Mossy was able to take advantage and get that first win. 
Aaron Tanty in his section, uh, in his crash in that section was pretty massive, and I'm wondering if uh, he will regret that when he looks back over the over the footage from that race day event. He crashed twice in that section, once in the first Triple Crown, and then obviously again in that second one where he had the main the concussion injury. That first one, he got well out of shape and managed to send the bike a bit whiskey throttle style, uh, but he was able to escape without injury. But he did come back through to fifth in that race. So he did well, but that I believe that that section just, I don't know if the way he was doing it was the best way to do it. He was, uh, it was a three footer, a five footer, a three and a three into the corner there out of a burn, 90 degree right hander into a 90 degree right, right hander. And everybody else seemed to be double doubling that section. Uh, or they'd roll double single, but Tanty for some reason was uh, wheel tapping the five footer to land onto the second, like onto the third jump, and then roll the fourth into the inside of that right hander before the finish line there. And I think he just managed to get some wheel spin and just didn't get the lift and nose planted into that bloody third one, and that's what sent him over the bars over the fourth one head first into the corner. So I wonder if when he looks back on that one, if that one will be something that he regrets not changing that pattern or if he actually just felt more comfortable doing that pattern and that's why he stuck with it. But just a terrible outcome there. But we have spoken to Aaron just with some some text messages this week to check on him, but we didn't ask him about that section. But it's probably too much for him to handle at this point. He's obviously concerned about getting recovered from that concussion to be able to race round four. Hopefully he's all good, but we'll have to, um, yeah, might ask him that one a bit further down the track. On some other notes on the event, I have to say it was pretty funny watching these cardboard tough blocks. Uh, with that It's been a bit of a talking point, these tough blocks, over the last few weeks since they were first discovered in Cardiff when they with the World Supercross guys who were running essentially the same group as running the Australian stuff. And they were cardboard and they were sort of moving and getting squashed and all that sort of stuff. And look, those are indoor stadiums that they've had them in previously. These ones here at uh, McDonald Jones is an open-air stadium and during the qualifying session, I was sitting in the press box watching the qualifying going on and having a little chuckle to myself because these cardboard tough blocks with the wind that was occurring was blowing, they were blowing into the track and guys were just plowing them and just cardboard you know, going everywhere sort of thing. But it's just one of those silly things you think, you can't have a cardboard box in an open air stadium if there's wind because how do you want you don't want one of those tough blocks blowing under a bike whilst the guy's mid-air of a triple, you know? Like it's just a bit silly. They've got to have some way to retain them on the ground. If they're going to go, keep going with that cardboard that so that they you know they they crumple as such when they hit them not, you know, force them into a complete crash, that's fine, but they've got to work out a way to actually retain them in place a bit better cuz the wind in those outdoor stadiums it was a bit comical, to be honest, watching it from the press box there. All right. And then the other thing we wanted to bring up, a uh, bit of a, <laughs> a bit disappointing, to be honest, when I was watching it, but the second race of the Triple Crown, Wilson Todd was leading it in the SX2 class and, and obviously the checkered line, or the finish line flagger was getting ready for the checkers and it was mar- must have been marking Wilson Todd, but he missed out on the uh, pass of Max Anstey on that last lap on Wilson and he managed to give the checkers to the second place guy and Max didn't get it. So I was a bit disappointed in watching that one, but obviously he just wasn't keeping up with what the events that were occurring behind him or around him um, and nobody was in his ear. So, you know, a bit of a mistake there, but yeah, it, it's a minor one, but it's just kind of funny from watching where I was standing. And lastly, before we jump into the emergency department list here, 
It was quite interesting for me to see the pack-up of the CDR Yamaha team at this round. So at the end of the night, you obviously expect all the teams to be pulling down their canopies. You know, they've got CDR's got a, the full-size rig, um, canopies, flooring, all the rest of it set up there for the, for the daytime program aspects. But by the time I'd walked from the press box, which was the opposite end of the stadium to the, uh, to the pit area, and got down through all the crowd and back to the pits, they had pretty much packed the whole thing away. I managed to speak quickly to one of the, qu- the mechanics there to check if Tanti was all right, and he confirmed that it was just a concussion at that stage, which was fantastic from him. But basically, I'd walked <clears throat> probably a couple of meters away to talk to one guy, and by the time I turned around, the truck was rolling out. So pretty impressive pack-up time there, guys, but Jesus Christ, you got it all in there pretty quick. You must have just been throwing it at the truck to get out of there. Obviously, it wasn't a fantastic night, <clears throat> With uh with Tanti going down and and losing that championship lead, but yeah, you guys left pretty quick. <laughs> anyway, all right. So look, that's the update from from uh, from Newcastle. Obviously, Wagga's happening this week. It's going to be a bit of a different setup. It Wagga's a smaller town for Australia. It's not Newcastle. It's not a football stadium. It's actually a speedway. There is no grandstand as such. So the racing, like viewing the racing will be a little bit different there. There is a little bit of a bank from what I can tell and what I remember from being there in the past for other things and driving past it. But yeah, it might be a bit hard for some of the spectators to see all of the action, but I'm sure they'll work that one out. But the track itself looks reasonably big. Um, It's obviously in the infield of the speedway, so there's plenty of space there. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But like I said earlier, I believe that it will be a Honda championship year for these guys uh, from Honda Racing Australia there. Justin Brayton's looking pretty good for that SX1 title. And Max Anstey's pretty much got it on lock for the SX2. All right, let's take a quick break, guys and girls. We'll be back with the emergency department list. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker and I'm from the Baker's Factory. And you're listening to Always Motor. All right, guys and girls, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. We're going to jump straight into this emergency department list. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. That's right. It's a shitty list to be on, unfortunately. And unfortunately, we get to talk to these guys at some... Pretty rough times in their career, but we try to be a bit respectful about how we get the information from them. But unfortunately, when they go down, people want to know and we just sort of got to get that information and, you know, unfortunately talk to them when they're a bit depressed and a bit bummed on everything. But most of these guys have been fantastic about providing the information and still having a chat to us and we appreciate that. And look, we try to be respectful where we can. But the injury list from Newcastle, it got a bit longer, unfortunately. It's a fair few guys that have joined it. Uh, and if you haven't already listened to our um, race day interviews, we managed to catch up with Gage Linville, who was um, unfortunately injured in a quite a bizarre incident. He managed to have a, a head-on on the Supercross track. Um, unfortunately, Luke Davis got a little bit squirrely off the finish line and ended up on the start straight. And Gage was just bad timing, wrong place, um, You know, going too fast up the start straight. Well, not too fast. He was going as fast as he was trying to go for the racetrack. Just there was a bike in front of him. So, yeah, we caught up with Gage um, between the uh, shortly after his injury. Um, he was sitting there all in his lonesome at the Honda truck in the in the you know the seating area and sort of went over and checked on him and he was happy to talk to us, which was awesome on his part. Um, and he did a really good interview. So go and check out that that race day interview. Uh, but he has confirmed a um, a right shot, a right collarbone injury, uh, and he will be heading back to the US 
very shortly to um, see whether he needs to get surgery and stuff. But so he will be out for the Wagga round. Um, and he was indicated that he probably won't be back until the early parts of the Supercross Futures because he needs to get some Supercross Future points to be able to do the American Supercross rounds. Gage is actually an American um, just ever doing the series with us here for the time being. All right, let's jump into the next one here. Um, Aaron Tanty, as we spoke about earlier, there was a concussion for Aaron with that crash that he had in that second race of the Triple Crown there. Um, we managed to get a confirmation from Aaron just today, um, today being Friday before the race uh, at Wagga, that he is hoping to be cleared tonight um, to be able to race. Um, so he's obviously hanging on to those, um, you know, that medical review to see if it's all going to go ahead for him. But hopefully there's nothing else seems to be wrong. He just managed to whack his head too hard uh, and hopefully he'll be able to pass all those concussion things. But he said he's been working with the Australian Race Safe crew uh, to get that clearance done. So he will know more later tonight. Ideally, he'll be on track tomorrow in Wagga. Isaac Ferguson uh, was another one to go down in Newcastle. He managed to dislocate a shoulder. He is getting an MRI and will review whether he needs to get surgery or not. Uh, but at this stage, he's out for Wagga. Hickson McInnes. Bruised up, um, no major injuries for Hickson, but he's met, he wrote back to us and confirmed that he's got some pretty sore lower back areas um, and a lot of bruises and bumps everywhere over him, but he's hoping to race Wagga. So we'll have to see if he's able to get through the early day, earliest parts of the day and make it through all the whole night program or if he becomes too sore. We'll have to see how that plays out. Jack Kitchen uh, unfortunately broke his left elbow. Uh, he managed to break the radial head, which is the uh, inner part of your elbow when your hands or your thumbs pointing upwards. So he's managed to break that. No surgery at this point. It's clean break. He's just in a cast and he will be out for Wagga as well. Ryan Kohlenberg. Uh, we checked in with Ryan this week. Uh, and look, quick note here while we say this too. It was awesome. We All of these guys here, we had about, uh, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 11. Well, I think we had 12 guys that were trying to catch up with for different reasons. I think we had 11 responses, so it was fantastic. Uh, really appreciate that, guys. Um, the fans want to know what's going on, and unfortunately, it's a shitty time, like we said earlier. But you guys have been providing some fantastic information, so thank you. So, yeah, back to Ryan. Ryan broke his heel um, he managed, he was going on the, the hit neutral as he went off the on-off before the Supercross triple. Um, managed to click it in the first, still tried to hit the triple. Didn't go well, unfortunately, and he bailed and landed on his foot, broke his heel. So he is out for Wagga. Um, and unfortunately, with broken heels, they tend to take a bit of time to recover. They're usually they're not just the six-week bone break. They are something like more eight to 12 weeks, maybe even longer. Uh, they get poor blood supply and they just take a long time to heal. Pardon the pun. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he's got a bit of a road ahead. We'll have to hopefully see how he goes. All these guys are hoping to be back on track for the Ozpro MX um, that starts in March. Jesse Bishop dislocated his right shoulder, managed to get a bloody nose and some other scuffs to his face, but he's popped that shoulder back in. Obviously, it's not the first time it's happened for Jesse, and he's hoping to race Wagga. So that's an interesting one. We'll have to see how stable that shoulder is only one week after a dislocation. Hayden Melros put up a post uh, that he had a chin laceration and a finger injury. 
and it's pretty gnarly looking um, cut on his chin there. Unfortunately, he got landed on in Newcastle in that first Triple Crown. Um, no details in, from from Hayden as to you know if anything worse than that. Um, so we're not sure if he's racing, but based on the picture of his hand and his finger, I would say that's going to be a bit of a hard one to get through um, to race. So I would doubt that he's going to be there, but we'll have to wait and see because we don't have that response from Hayden. Um, Brad West was a bit of a no-show for Newcastle. We found out, we talked to the team Circo there. They confirmed that Brad broke his uh, foot during the week before Newcastle practicing. Uh, so he's out. he was out for Newcastle. He was, he'll also be out for Wagga. He will probably be trying to get ready for some Supercross futures as well to get his points up in the States to then be able to race the American Supercross as well. So like we said, there was a fair few injuries there from the Newcastle round. Just a reminder that the other injuries that have happened already this season for the Australian Supercross, we've got Jai Roberts with that broken forearm, Brett Metcalf with a collarbone fracture, Luke Clout, who we spoke to on our race day interview, so check that out to find out about his broken thumb situation. Bailey Malkowitz with his dislocated uh, and broken ankle, Connor Tierney with his dislocated hip, and Thomas Ravenhurst with uh, his multiple fractures of his ribs, collarbone, vertebrae, and his lung issue as well as Joel Whiteman uh, with his broken arm and ankle. So the list for this year's uh, injuries in Australian Supercross, unfortunately, even only with three rounds so far, is quite extensive. We'll check back and see what else happens uh, at this final round um, in Wagga. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with some more Always Moto podcast. Hey, guys, this is Grant Harlan, and this is the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, we're back. Let's jump into our next segment here on the Always Moto podcast. We're going to hit up Dave's Diatribe. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. That's right, you could be next. (laughs) There's plenty of people on the list that could be next. But let's jump into this one. So a couple of little things here this week. Um... We wanted just to touch on some of the actions that sort of gave us a you know bit of a moment when we're at the Newcastle Supercross. Obviously, one being those cardboard tough blocks in that windy stadium. Got to say that oh, I really bit pissed about that one. To be honest, like you can't have something that's light and fluffy blowing around on the track. I don't care if it's cardboard box or not. If you're going to still see that in the middle of the track blow out in front of you as you're in the middle of the air, it's still going to give you the willies when you're up there. Um, so they've got to figure that one out. That can't keep happening. These cardboard box situations have got to be least restrained. And to be honest, I just don't know if the cardboard is the is the answer here. Like, yeah, it's 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 a hard one. But I just don't want to see them blowing into the middle of the track like I did during those qualifying sessions. That was a bit shitty. The other thing we want to touch on here is uh, the Aussie Supercross practice. So watching. Supercross practice is usually pretty cool because you get to see guys figuring out the figuring out the track as they go, right? But I got to tell you, that was fucking scary watching the Aussie guys do it. There was a lot of over jumps. There was a lot of nose dives. There was guys shooting off the berms because they'd cased the last jump in the rhythm, or they just they they got so bad in that rhythm that they whiskied out of the rhythm because their feet had blown off and they ended up just launching berms and holy crap. One, it was entertaining. Like the, unfortunately, that the side of you where you you see somebody do something, you start laughing before you realize that it probably hurt. 
that's not fantastic. But Jesus, these guys need a bit more practice before they jump on these tracks, or they need longer, longer session times in that first practice to give them the time to work it out more because they they're all getting real sandy early because they don't have heaps of time to do laps. So yeah, it's pretty impressive, and and like one even even a guy that is you know running high in the races. Wilson Todd in the first practice, holy shit, he face planted massively in the rhythm section after the start straight there. He just didn't get the lift, nose picked one of the jumps, and then just face planted into the next one. I thought he was done for the night, let alone you know done for the series. But he managed to pick himself back up and got to the races later on in the evening, which was amazing. But yeah, they're just these guys are trying to send stuff way too early, and I just feel they need a bit more time on this first practice session to give them to give them the ability to test it out a bit easier and quicker oh not quicker test it out a bit over a bit longer time so then they do get to the point where they're trying to go quick they've they've already worked out what's going on they've got their timing down but jesus and and (laughs) the other one that i want to mention and i sort of didn't didn't pick on it at the time in the race day interviews with haruki yokoyama he mentioned that you know his whoops weren't too too good, and I said, yeah, no, they're not fantastic. He mentioned his short legs, and man, it's hard to tell when Yuki um, Haruki stands up that he's actually standing up. He's a very short dude, um, and look, I couldn't tell if he was standing up a lot of times, but his feet were off in the whoops all the time. Every time he got a little buck in the back end and it hit his ass, his feet were off the pegs, and he was just holding on for dear life till the end, and somehow he managed to always end up back on the bike in the berm and still stay in the berm and stay on the track. So, geez, he was lucky. But, yeah, look, these guys just need a bit more time. So let's 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 organise as these. Let's get some more, more time built into those uh, early sessions so that they can have a bit more chance to just feel out the track. I think that's what's needed here so we can avoid a few more injuries. All right, that's Dave's diatribe. Let's move on, guys and girls. So there's already been, unfortunately, for the AMA Supercross side of things, we're in deep in preseason as we had that uh, interview we did on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, with Alden Baker. It's preseason time in America. Everyone's training, getting bikes tested. They're deep in boot camps. Uh, and we hadn't seen any injuries, but as soon as December's clicked over, boom, three injuries, just like that. Uh, and I usually say that December is the difficult month because you've been training for a month already. Not, not most of these programs, as Alden alluded to, start on 1st of November. So those, those, that first month is sort of about a building phase, right? So they're all trying to feel out their bikes. They're trying to feel out their fitness, get it all coming back. By the time they get to December, they've got some fatigue in the body because they've been doing four weeks of you know, hard training physically. But they've also got this want to get some more speed, so they're trying to push more. They're trying to test more. They're trying to get the bike going as hard as they can, but they're fatigued. And this is where we find that, you know, then obviously from those two aspects, they can have some crashes and some injuries. But also if they're on a lower sort of team program, unfortunately, like what seems to have happened with Carson Mumford, the bikes are getting a little bit more tired at that point and maybe getting to the point where they're timing out on some parts and they need to change them, but they might not have done them just yet. So that you risk having a having a bike malfunction that then leads to an injury as well. So unfortunately, the three injuries so far in this this uh, preseason that we've managed to to capture is uh, Carson Mumford, 
and he's had a pretty nasty forearm fracture. And if you want to check out our Instagram, you'll see those photos. Uh, it's a bit of a zig, a bit of a Z shape, bit of a zigzag, uh, and he definitely needs surgery on that. And I believe he was having it. We've been in contact with Carson. He was nice enough to chat to us while he was laying in hospital bed. Um, <clears throat> which is fantastic. I appreciate him doing that. And he was just talking to us about where it's up to. So we'll hopefully have Carson on the show here in the coming weeks, but he will definitely be out. He won't be making West Coast Supercross at this point in time. He's going to be at least an eight to 12 week recovery. So East Coast Supercross is even a question mark for him at this point. Um, Justin Rodbell has also got a significant injury. He's managed to tear an an Achilles, uh, which is not... Look, it's not common, but it's not uncommon in moto. You wouldn't think that your Achilles being in, you know, these bike boots and standing on a foot peg would be something that happens too often, but you can still get a decent load through it if you step off, um, you know, mid-whoop or, you know, mid-rhythm or something like that. So we don't know exactly how it's happened for Justin, but he's already had surgery. Again, he was messaging us. Uh, he will hopefully be on the show. He's he's actually a former rider of the Australian Oz Pro MX series. Um, and when the COVID sort of hit, he was able he wasn't able to get back to the series over here. So, but he's been doing pretty well in the US. But unfortunately for him, that Achilles is going to see him out for quite some time. He's going to be a six month sort of time frame to be getting back on the bike. So he may be maybe back sometime in the outdoors. We'll have to see how that all goes for Justin and what his surgeon says is his pro-stop protocol. The other one that we've got information, or not much information, but we've been told about uh, is Brandon Hartraft from the HAP Suzuki team. He's had surgery on something. We don't know what it is yet. Hopefully we'll get some more info on him in the, in the ne- by the next episode as well uh, and bring you some further updates on all three of those guys. But look, it's a shitty time of year for those guys to be getting injured. It just throws out their whole season. They've been already working hard and it's just, yeah, it's a bummer to be gone out before they've even got to race one sort of thing. So we'll see how they all are. We'll bring us some updates as we can uh, and we'll just, yeah, keep keep an eye on the on the information on, on all the riders and, and if anything else pops up along the way. So, yeah, not a fantastic start to the season. All right, let's talk Pulp MX Fantasy. We're going to be coming up with uh, that here shortly. So this is just a quick reminder for you. We have the Always Moto Fantasy League for that American Supercross series. We have some pretty cool prizes. We're confirming all those things here shortly. So if you haven't already, jump over onto the Pulp MX website, search the league, uh, the league section for the Always Moto League, and jump on and join our league and use the password INJURY. Uh, lowercase injury and you'll be in part of the always moto league um, anyone can join you just need to use that password so ideally you're a listener um, and then we'll be able to you'll be eligible for prizes as we go through the season so jump in and join the always moto fantasy league there on pulp mx all right we'll uh, take a quick break here no we won't we won't take a break we're going to go straight into our interview with brett metcalf all right, joining us now on the Always Moto podcast, uh, it's uh, he's riding for KDM Australia this year and Go Twenty Four. Unfortunately, on the injured list after the very first round of the Australian Supercross this year down in Melbourne, it's Brett Metcalf. How are we doing, Brett? Hey, good, thanks, man. Yeah, it's good to be on. Thank you. Yeah, and no, I appreciate the time. Um, probably, as I say to a lot of guys when I get you on to this podcast, it's not usually a good reason you're here, but we appreciate your time all the same. <laughs> Yeah, it's never never the uh, right reason when you're on the injured list, but unfortunately, you know, the, the name of the game, 
of motocross and in, in any professional sports really there's injuries involved at some stage and, and uh this is uh, one of my little stages so yeah. here we go yeah and <laughs> we'll start talking just before we hit record that it's probably not the time you want to be injured with the way that you're sort of getting towards the end of the career you don't want to be missing any races that you you're not maybe going to get to do ever again sort of thing yeah, that's the hardest thing. You know, I'm at 38 and I still feel really good. My body feels good. Mentally, I still enjoy and I love racing, which is why I'm still doing it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't have years to throw away. <laughs> These are like the, you know, the the kind of, not the end of it, but you know, it's, it's definitely getting close. And uh, this Supercross series was really frustrating right now to miss because we haven't done supercross in three years yeah, you know with COVID, so you know and then to start off with the wsx you know world supercross in melbourne and then <clears throat> you know we've got some exciting stuff and and adelaide was the second round which is my hometown and yeah yeah it, that, that really stunk <laughs> to be missing this series um but, you know, that's how it goes, and especially after such a stupid little crash. I mean, just a front-end washout, you know, and it's, uh, I've talked about that with a lot of people, you know, like sometimes you have big crashes, high speed, and you kind of tumble and roll and things happen and you get up and, you know, sometimes you walk away from those. Then yep. you have a, tuck the front end in a corner and and uh, that's a collarbone. It's like, ah, oh, sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to deal with those. But at the end of the day, it was my fault and uh, – you can kind of live and live and learn. Yeah, it's amazing how that that right angle, right force, wrong time just gets you yep. sometimes. But other times, you literally get up and think, "I should be dead," and you dust yourself <laughs> off, and you're like, "Everything works, awesome." Yeah, we've all uh, had a couple of those, you know, where it's like, "Wow, oh, that was a." You look up at the sky for a moment, and you think, <laughs> "You know, got a couple of guardian angels on your shoulders for sure." But um, yeah, this one was just a silly one, you know. And you just, I landed just on the backside at kind of a forty-five degree angle on the backside of my shoulder. That was the first to hit, and generally, that landing on that angle, uh, the impact. I mean, it takes nothing to, to to break those collarbones when you get the angle right and uh, or angle wrong, I should say. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's what happened. So yeah, I couldn't believe it. I picked the bike up and I felt it clunk clunk. And to be honest, I didn't even know if it was my shoulder out or what. Yep. It was hanging low and something was weird. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This can't be real. Yeah. And then, uh, it was. And I was like, I just knew straight away that was it. Uh, headed back to the pit. So have you, um, you haven't broken that particular collarbone before, have you? Like you've been in this game for quite a while. I'm assuming there's a few other breaks nah. in these areas, but that's not been yeah. on the list. No, that one hasn't been on the list. <laughs> I've broken my other side twice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that one, I, I kind of, you, know, you, you know the feeling, but uh, the, the left side hasn't, hasn't broken. But, oh, uh, that's all right. I was always wondering when, yeah. when you get a bit further into these careers and, and you've had a few breaks, if you, if you go to break the same thing, if there's an old plate in there that makes it just a little bit more complicated or something along those lines. Yeah, the other side is plated, so I've, I've now matched both sides with a plate <laughs> on it, which, which to be honest, I wasn't stoked on. I didn't really want to do the surgery. Um, I was really trying to avoid it, uh, but the, the, the fracture was just too far displaced. Okay. Um, which was my issue. And then, you know, the, the offset of that will be, you know, further down the road, you, you'll have shoulder complications. You know, it was like 12 mil. It was going to be like about 12 mil shorter. So I thought, well, look, i got to kind of just get it 
put back to proper length yeah. and let it heal in a, in a in a straight line. And so yeah, we elected to do the put the plate on and get the surgery done just for that for this kind of longevity of the shoulder. Yeah, you got that done fairly quickly. I think you um the the couple of days afterwards after the Melbourne round, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was Wednesday, which for me it was really long to wait. <laughs> Normally, like in the past, I've flown home that night and trying to get surgery the next day. You know, just speed everything up and generally that's always been everyday counts you know i've been in positions where i've got my other collarbone plated to try and race the next weekend in supercross just always in a mad rush you know to try and get back but this one was a little different for me now (laughs) i knew the championship's finished it's over and uh, you gotta let that go and and uh, so yeah i got it plated up wednesday and the following uh, uh yeah after the race that wednesday and yeah, on, we're on the mend. Yeah. So, any um, any thoughts there in the middle there? What you thought you might be able to? Because there was a couple week gap to um, round three as such. Did Did you think about it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I attended attended uh, Adelaide Supercross and did some commentary and just hung around the team there, which was really cool. I got to spend some time with with Nato Crawford and the whole team and uh, just be involved, which is something that I haven't really done other than Melbourne for a brief stint there. So mm-hmm. it was cool. I enjoyed it. And, um, it, yeah, I definitely had my eyes set on racing these last two supercrosses and especially after getting the surgery and putting the plate on, like we should definitely be able to get two weeks of practice on the bike and yeah. I should be pretty good. And then, yeah, just a couple, like nothing went wrong with the actual surgery, but just the, internal sutures that i've had i've had my body's been trying to reject them um and so i've gone back and forth with the doctor a couple of times now and we've kind of just come to the conclusion it's creating a lot of swelling and irritation it's kind of really pissing it off a little bit yeah. but we're not going to cut me open to take them out again you know and just have another minor you know day procedure surgery but it'd be pretty minor but we're not going to elect to do that we just said look let's just let this thing dissolve they'll dissolve eventually on their own so i'll just let it go and uh it just meant that i didn't feel comfortable getting back on the bike and so you and haven't then, tried that at all then either i haven't in this tried yeah, no okay. i mean that's a lie i actually rode around just putted around <laughs> on a 110 you know on a 110 just yeah, around yeah. the house I, with, I think everybody you know, at some was, point yeah. in those uh, recoveries have just just sat on yeah. the bike and gone down the driveway at least yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely have sat on the bike but just the feeling i had wasn't there and then of course you know and then you weigh up the risk and reward which i talked to you know, Kyle Blunden about from KTM, we discussed it in detail and said, look, I think I can do it. We're not going to come in anywhere near really good, yep. you know, and um, yeah, at this stage, if I'm not racing out there to try and compete to win, it's, uh, it, you know, we don't, we're out of the points already. So there's no point just trying to get out there to get some points. That's, a, that's, that's just not, yeah. dumb. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the answer. So we just said, look, you know, given the circumstance, let's just call it call it a year and uh regroup i mean and um you know and looking into the future i mean the outdoor series is not that far away you know we start up in march so yeah it's pretty close had i year. gone out there yeah had i gone out and you know something silly happens you fall on it again oh, you're yeah. still i'm still at the bone is still broken yeah it's got a plate on it but the bone is not healed it's broken so you know you run the risk of just relying on that plate you bend the plate or the plate pops out you pull screws you shatter your bone so 
it's just like when I weighed up everything, it's like, all right, let's just let's just uh, park it for the rest of the year, which hurts, but it is what it is. You make a good point there, Bart, that like lots of people think that once you get this plate on, and you know, you're all all recovered, but no, the bone yeah, is actually it's still 100%, in two pieces. Man. <laughs> Back to 100%, I'm good to go. Yeah, you no, know, and it gives you the it. crazy illusion. Like once you, I mean, you know, you go in and you can't move it, it's clunking around, the bone's loose and you feel it hurts. And then you bit the plate on, you come out of there and you're like, well, I can move my shoulder. I've got good range of motion back. Like, this is all right. I'm riding in a couple of days. Get the bike ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's not healed. The bone's broken. Uh, It can still rotate. The bone can kind of rotate. You've got your muscles pulling on either end of the bone. So it's talking that bone and it can, can kind of come loose and those screws that go in too i mean yeah they're strong but they can also wiggle loose if the bone is is moving around a lot so there's that side of it where it's still at at risk you know so yeah definitely um, you, you understand that really well and you actually explain that really well too because i don't think people would understand that just off the surface you know because it's anyone that's grabbed you know screw two pieces of wood together with one screw and then just grab either end and twist it the, the screws start yeah. working out it'll loosen and you're you're screwed yeah. but that's your bone so yeah it's yeah. not what you yeah, want happening no. It's not an ideal situation at all, um, you know, but none of it is, but you just got to make the best of it. But uh, anyway, we, we just said you know, as a team and, and my personal feeling was just like, let's just come to the conclusion. Let's just let this thing go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, start planning for next year. So what is the plans for next year? You, you're coming back, like you mentioned, you're 38 and, and sort of, I gather, when <laughs> yeah. are you going to stop this train here? Like, is 40 the yeah. number or are you going past that or what's, yeah, what's happening? 40 the number. <laughs> okay. No, to be honest, you know what, like the last probably three years, honestly, I've done it year by year. I've never really committed too far into it. I just think, you know, how do I feel at the end of this championship? Did I enjoy it? Did I have fun? And I was I competitive. And it kind of, actually probably goes in the other order was i competitive <laughs> and did i have fun yeah being competitive because you know yeah we always talk about having fun and stuff but this game you know at this level sometimes it's not fun you know sometimes it's not fun you have to make it fun and you have to enjoy it but sometimes racing doesn't always bring fun and happiness you know like it's competitive nature it's a it's a it's combat you know you're going is, at it yeah. if you're losing You're trying to figure out every possible way to get better and be on top. And that's hard work. And sometimes hard work ain't always fun. You know, you got to try and make it fun. Yeah, for sure. But so the first thing is I've always said, if I'm competitive, cool. I'm, and then I'm in the fight. Yep. I like that. Then did I enjoy it and have fun? And this year I enjoyed it more than most. And so, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) feel good. We're back again. I enjoyed it. People responded. I, I, I enjoyed being a privateer. People responded well to that. My fan base and the following I had this year was better than I've really received in a long time. So that's everything was just cool and I like doing it. So it's, um, I got to keep it rolling. And then, you know, there's a couple of silly things I think about in my mind. Like you mentioned, like, oh, 40 might be the number. I don't look at it that, but 2024 to retire in 2024 <laughs> would sound, would sound cool, but it's kind of a silly thing to even look at. But I just say, you know, I'm going to do one year at a time, maybe even one championship at a time. You know, I might yeah. get to the end of outdoors next year and, and that's say, it that's it i'm not doing supercross i yeah. might do motocross and supercross get the end of supercross and say dude i'm done like yep 
I've never felt, I've never come off the track yet, even when I've been hurt and crashed and had a bad rate. I've never come off and say, dude, I'm sick of this. I'm done. Mm-hmm. No, I've never had that. Not even a thought. So man, we'll just keep rolling. People can talk about my age. I don't care. Yeah. It's, uh, I just enjoy really. it. And, and uh, I love competing against the younger guys and, uh, and all the guys, we're, you know, me, Todd, Kirk. Dean, yeah, we're all 30 plus high, now. I mean, mm. yeah, I'm the oldest of the 30 plus, but we're all still in our 30s. Yeah. Competitive, banging bars, you know, smashing each other like it's, we're going, you know, uh, and the young guys are coming up and they're, they're fast now. So it's uh, it's just a cool mixture. I think the fans really like that too. It's You've got the older guys, older generation. We've gone overseas, done stuff. And then you got the young, hungry animals coming through. <laughs> so it's just a good mixture, you know, and it's fun to watch. And, um, yeah, it's enjoyable. The passion's still in your voice. You can hear it when you're talking about it. So, yeah, obviously it's not time. So And, and like I said, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If, if you do have that thought come across your mind by the sounds of it, that would probably be the first and probably the reason to stop because you said you don't yeah. think about that. So, yeah, you've, you've got a really it's positive never, mindset there yeah. for all this and yeah. understanding of what's up happening. So, yeah, it's, not, it's good yeah, to hear. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never, uh, never not once, even with this broken collarbone and bits and pieces. And, you know, this year I had some success and I had some – up and down motos too, where I had a big crash at one of them. Yeah. Um, and then the bike was, man, you know, the radiator broke and I was like scared to death. The thing was going to grenade itself. You know, I had no coolant left and we had yep. a 15 minute moto at one of the back to backs and I was still sending it, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, not a factor at that point. <laughs> you know, I got off and I'm like, man, something's wrong with me. I'm crazy for yeah. doing that. But like, <laughs> We pulled it off, you know, somehow. But I was like, not once did I think, like, man, this isn't worth it. You know, this isn't worth it. I'm still at that point where I just love it that much. And, you know, I know eventually it's, I'll, I'll stop that and it'll let it go. And that's cool. I look forward to that day, but that day is not now. It's not ready yet. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Well, so what, what are the plans? Are we going to be doing the privateer thing for the outdoors again? Or are you going to stay with the KDM group here that you've been, went to do Supercross with? Or, or what are you thinking? Yeah. There's discussions and there's, you know, there's, we're at a, we're definitely at a crossroad and there's a, a forward and a left and a right <laughs> and a reverse and, and, uh, uh there's a, a change vehicle and there's all sorts of stuff on the, on the thing. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, man, I just, it looks pretty strong. Like we'll remain on the same brand, okay but nothing is nothing even, said. there's no real Nothing has been put forth, been really solid uh, yeah, lockdown okay. or anything. All as I know is I will be doing, you know, if it comes to it, I'll be doing my same program I did this past year. It yep. worked good for me. I, I enjoyed it. And I had like awesome family support. My dad was a massive help and just people were behind it that I really um, cherished and loved. So, yeah, it was it was a cool thing and uh, we'll be doing the same thing. Uh, if, if it comes to it, that's that's on going to be happening that's the minimum sort of thing yeah yeah that's the minimum and then if if a factory ride comes along which i'm not expecting it and i'm not even asking for it and to be honest i feel hesitant i don't really want it um yeah it's um uh, i just pass that sort of pressure point for your life and all that sort of stuff not so much the pressure it's just you know i mean don't know how to explain i just want to see I enjoyed doing them on my own so much. And yeah, it was a lot difficult. You know, I had, there was a lot more extra work to do on the 
behind the scenes, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm basically running as, you know, you're in charge, you're the team manager, you're responsible. Yep. You know, mechanic Scott Watts was there. Like I'm responsible for everything now and that's a lot more on your plate. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. And I got my Go24 program with a whole group of kids that I was coaching and bringing yep. through. So that was cool. I had a junior team with my son, Nash, and two other kids, Emily and Tom Lambert. So we had good success there yep. on state levels, winning races, state titles, a second at the national championships this year, junior. So that was all part of it. Yep. And that whole little you know, everything under that umbrella was just like, wow, this is exactly where I want to be and what I need to be doing. Where if I step back into a factory role, I can't do those things as well as I'd like to. Yeah, okay. And then I also want the younger guys to have that opportunity. Uh, yeah, I've I don't need that opportunity to to further myself anymore. I've kind of gone as far as I can, really. So I don't need that factory team to kind of boost myself and get yeah. up to the next point. It's that's those days are done for me. Let's give it to, you know, the the younger dudes. So that that's cool. I'm all for that. You know, it's pretty refreshing. I, I quite enjoyed this interview. To be honest, that's quite impressive. <laughs> impressive sort of point of view you've had on a couple of topics there. But that's really insightful at the end there. Like where you you know you've understood where you've come and where you got to and. And what you're trying to do with it now, and yeah, like yeah. some people would still just be trying to fight for that better bike, but no, you, you've yeah, got a yeah. real understanding of what's what's what now for you. You can make a pretty damn good bike out of the back of a shed now, and you I can, proved that yeah. this year. And bikes are all that good nowadays; they're so good. The bikes, and you know, straight out of the box, so it's it can be done. But um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, look at it this way: when I was 16 years old, I was riding on factory KTM Australia. That was me. You know, I was that kid, Yeah. you know, went from junior straight onto the, the factory team under Jeff Lees. Glyndon Heffernan was there. They were guiding me. And that was the stepping stone for me at 16, 17. I went to Europe because I was winning races here straight away at 16. Yeah. I won two nationals and supercross races. Yeah. Bang. I'm like, got to go. I want to go. I've got yeah. the opportunity and I was gone. Like that was it. You know, that was 22 years ago. So I think if my math's right, right? Yeah, 22 <laughs> years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I don't – like, that's great that I'm still competitive to be even considered, you know, and, like, this Supercross series to ride factory taking it meant a lot to me. It was like, that's unbelievable, and I loved it. And the team was so receptive and cool. And yeah. just, like, Mechanic Pat was just a legend dude and, like, just cool, you know. But, like, wow, this is such a time warp for me. <laughs> in In between those years, I was, like, in Europe and – 15 years in the States and yeah. up in Canada and wow, it's crazy. And I'm back here and I'm still being able to be competitive. It's pretty special, but I don't need to be at that point now. I'm happy to sit back and say, I'll do this on my own because this is my passion and love and uh, I'm still pretty damn good at it. So we'll keep it going. Yeah, definitely. And look, I think we, we just look forward to seeing you back out there healthy again next year. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's the goal now is just have a, have a good off season. I probably won't touch a motorcycle till January. Yep. Um, but enough. just off yep. off bike training, and that's more important for me is keeping the body balanced, uh, working on the mobility. Yeah, that's what that's what age, that's yeah. what goes. You know, that's what makes that's what gets harder is the mobility side of, it, especially because you know our bodies do get beat up a bit. So it's yeah. that's the tough part. Yeah. Managing that and keeping the reflexes sharp, uh, and then you know I feel like if you ever seen the movie Cars Three, 
where Lightning McQueen gets older and he yeah, has to dodge yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's that's how it feels, you know, when you get a bit older. So you still know how to race a bike and compete well and I've got the race craft. So I just need to work on other stuff and then come out ready for next year again and be fun. Oh, awesome. Awesome, Brett. Now look, appreciate your time, mate. That's been a fantastic insight into where you're at at the moment and what the plans are. So no, look, thanks for your time on the Always Moto podcast. No, no problem. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening and supporting me this year. And I've got some awesome sponsors I want to plug for sure. For it, Rat, yeah. Rat, Fist, uh, M2R been with me for, for I don't know how long, forever, but obviously KTM, the whole Go24 crew, everyone that's helped out, all my family. And, uh, man, there's so many sponsors I probably need to thank here. But um, those <laughs> Delcon Civil, you know, Dave down there in Melbourne, he's an awesome guy, massive advocate of the sport. Whitehall Transport, Ryan, we grew up together racing here in South Australia, and he jumped on board to help me out this year. Massive thanks to Whitehall Transport. Um, and, uh, man, just SKDA, Sammy, that SKDA was yeah. a massive help. Just getting this whole program up and running for me too, so – yeah, looking forward to next year again, and um, yeah, we'll see what uh, see what comes about. Sounds good, mate. Awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing you on track, and uh, yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Cheers, mate. All right, guys and girls, that was a fantastic interview there with Brett Metcalf. I really enjoyed that one. As I said, partway through there, um, Brett was easy to talk to and and quite um, in touch with what's going on from a medical point of view there, and understanding that you know the plates and that aren't just you know it's not fixed straight away it's still broken you know like he understands that so that was fantastic point of view from him and i appreciate his time here on the always motor podcast to talk to us as well that was it was awesome it's always great to get the riders input on their injuries and and get that first hand information so appreciate that brett thank you all right great show this week we hope you've enjoyed it um hope you enjoy the round four of the australian supercross from wagga we'll hopefully be bringing you some more information on that after that after this week's race um good luck to all the riders there hopefully you all stay safe um but and a reminder that our show's coming up here in the next few weeks will be around um just some information in that you know the pre-season for the American stuff, so keep an eye on that. It will be around my surgery that I've got myself coming up here from a crash. Yes, I did uh, did bust myself up um, a few months back, and I'm having some stuff removed. So we'll be on uh, crutches and couch bound for a bit. So we'll be doing the old. There's a lot of slouch on the couch right now. We'll be slouching on the couch. So um, we'll uh, we'll bring you some more stuff as we can over the next few weeks. Ready for the uh, AMA Supercross to kick off there in January. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Don't forget to send us your T-shirt orders or email alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. Mm. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Mm. That's how you won't miss any of our shows or any of our content. Subscribe to the podcast feed. And if your app allows, leave us a rating, preferably five stars. Don't forget to check out our written articles over on fullnoise.com.au. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Polar Australia. Thanks to Slantboard Guy uh, for the show support. Remember, you have to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks on you. See you guys and girls.